The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 3 with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, and tonight we have Andrew Roberts, a physical therapist and strength coach with us. Uh, Andrew has been a long time. We've been chatting for a while over the internet and nice to finally chat with you somewhat in person via electronic means i guess yeah and uh the funny thing is is this is the first podcast i've ever been on so uh yeah it's it's cool uh yeah it's gonna be fun uh so you're the first one to interview me and so we'll see what happens cool well you're my second person i'm interviewing so we'll also just see how this keeps going yeah cool Um, why don't you first just give everyone a little bit of background on you, kind of where you are at this point, what brought you here, and uh, I guess maybe a little bit of your experience working with golfers. Yeah, so um, when I was seven, my grandpa gave me my first set of clubs, and I think they were Ostads, and it was like a driver, three wood, couple irons, and a putter. And you know, at seven years old, you're like, what is this stuff? So then when I was 12, uh, my brother-in-law took me out to play my first round and uh, it wasn't too bad. I shot 52 and it was like, okay. So I was hooked after that. Um, And then like every chance I could during middle school and high school, I would practice and play. So I played, you know, junior tournaments, things like that. Um, You know, played in high school, uh, two-time first team all conference, went to state three years, uh, grew up in Iowa um, you know, got interested in strength and conditioning and lifting when I was 13, our like PE teacher let us come in early in the morning. So there was like five of us guys and a girl that lifted. So got into that, kept with it throughout high school, uh, kind of slacked off in college and then got back into it, uh, because, you know, you gained a freshman 15 and I definitely did maybe the freshman 20, I don't know, but, uh, just kept up with that. Uh, bounced around a bunch of different majors. You know, first I thought, thought I wanted to be in journalism. Then I thought I don't want to be in uh, business. And then I got a broad degree in communications, did a couple jobs, didn't like it. Um, then I shadowed some teachers, wanted to be a PE teacher. So uh, thought about that for a little while. And then my friend's like, hey, you're really good at lifting, really good at coaching, simplifying things. So why don't you try strength and conditioning? So um, I got two degrees from the University of Northern Iowa. One was in uh, communication studies. The other one was movement and exercise science. Uh, they have a really awesome strength coach there, Jed Smith, who works obviously with like the football players and things like that. So, um, and he's done some presentations for like the North Central region of the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So um, people can check him out. A really good coach. Um, then did an internship in Kansas City. Uh, tried to find my niche there. Couldn't. Moved back to Iowa. Uh, did personal training in the Quad Cities, Davenport, Bendorf area. And then my friend mentioned, hey, why don't you do physical therapy? And I was like, "What? you know, what about it? I have no idea. So I did the whole shadowing thing. Um, really liked it. First year, couldn't get into to PT school. Um, took all the prereqs, you know, chemistry, physics, all that jazz. Um, and then the second year, I ended up 
getting in, and I think I was, yeah, 30, 31. So um, I was one of the older students, obviously. I'd been through a bunch of career changes. So uh, did that, did all my clinicals, and now I am doing my first job in Prescott, Arizona, which is an hour and a half north of Phoenix and two hours south of the Grand Canyon. So it's kind of, it's in the northern part of the state, but, you know, it's kind of, it's in between a lot of areas. Um, and, and basically, I played golf, you know, high school, I played golf for three years at a D3 school in college. So I loved it. I got burnt out by it for a while, sold my clubs, which is a dumb thing, folks, don't ever do that. Um, and then really got into it the last four years because a friend asked me to play in golf league. And I was like, I have, sure, I'll see if I have my game. Went out the first round, shot 30, I mean, 45. Next round, shot 37. I was like, oh, I think I still got it. So, um, but since then, uh, a lot of my content has been focused on golf. You know, obviously with, with what you're doing at uh, Pure Drive Golf Physio and, you know, belonging to a lot of groups and just, you know, following Titles Performance Institute. Eventually, I'm going to take level one, level two um, certs on that. But uh, you look at the modern golfer now and they, they're athletes, you know, between, you know, the 60s and the 70s, about the only guy who was working out was Gary Player. Now, I mean, Tigers led the charge. You've got Brooks Kepka, you got Roy McIlroy, you got Dustin Johnson. Scott Stallings is an awesome story. He's lost 50 pounds. Um, but most golfers do some form of fitness, whether it is lifting, whether it is plyometrics, whether it is, you know, some mobility days, whether it is, you know, stretches or things like that. A lot of them have their own physio, a lot of their own massage therapist, trainer, things like that. So that's kind of, really the thing I got very interested in with it. So that's just kind of the, the long synopsis of it. That's awesome, man. You, I feel like one, you've lived many different lives, just all the things that you studied in school and probably the different jobs that you've had. Um, but I'm sure that they've definitely helped shape you kind of in how you are now as a PT and as a coach, um, learning all the different things that you did learn. How's, how's been practicing so far? It, it's good. I mean, our population here is probably in the mid fifties and sixties. So, you know, obviously for those of people that practice a lot of Medicare, but in Arizona, you know, and, and there are some States, a lot of States have access to a lot of golf courses. So here we've got, you know, four public courses and three privates. So I've seen a lot of people from the private courses um, and I've got invited to play out on all of them. Because they find out, you know, I remember I was having a conversation with a guy and I was just standing, you know, at our, our counter, you know, just prescribing exercises. And he's like, oh, you're the golf guy. I was like, yeah, I, I guess that's me, you know. So I, I have a reputation now. Um, but, you know, a lot of those people that are looking for longevity of life and some of them obviously are golfers and we have a pretty active population. I mean, we've got hikers, we've got tennis players, pickleball players, all that. Um, but we do have a lot of golfers because we have those five public and three private courses in our area. So um, I try to do, you know, things with them, obviously, you know, like we've talked about hip rotation. Um, I've seen a lot of mainly the two that I've seen is low back and shoulder for golf. Um, so we obviously we work on some low back trunk stability, 
Uh, we'll work on some midline strength. We'll work on some rotation from the mid back to maybe take some pressure off the low back. Um, and then obviously shoulders, you know, rotator cuffs or just shoulder pain. So just working on strength and endurance um, in all planes for the shoulder because uh, the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. Uh, but in a lot of cases, it's the least stable. So I can move it, you know, all these different ways. But in order to hold it out, you know, you have to have the strength um, for that musculature, whether it's around the shoulder blade or what we like to call the shoulder girdle complex. Um, and some of those individuals don't have it. So we work a lot on that, too. Right. The I'd probably see a good, I would say most of my caseload, anywhere between 60 to 80% at any point in time is probably shoulders between just non-operative and operative patients. Now they're obviously not all golfers, but I see a lot of shoulders and, um, obviously that's changed now with what's going on in the world right now. But, um, usually too, just like you were saying the shoulder, I mean, the perfect example or analogy is like, it's a golf ball on a tee, essentially how the joint is set up. And it's pretty, like you said, naturally unstable. Um, and you have to have a ton of strength throughout the entire girdle. Um, but earlier when you were first kind of talking about stuff, you alluded to, um, most of the golfers today being athletes and they're, they have some sort of fitness in their routine. Um, I would say, what have you seen at, with people that you've been working with in terms of golfers? What are some of their common misconceptions or are they hesitant at all to do any of the strength and power stuff that you want to do with them? Because you hear all these, uh, guys on TV, usually commentators sometimes that say, you know, like Rory's hurt his back because he's deadlifting all his weight or Brooks is injured because of this, or, you know, everything has to do with lifting weights. Um, but I think they don't have a good viewpoint like we do, um, on that. Yeah. And, and one of the viewpoints you're talking about with Rory McIlroy, I think one was Brandel Chamblee and he's like, I think Rory's lifting too much weight. Um, you know, but first off, those commentators get paid to say what they do. I mean, Chambly is very common. Johnny Miller, I love those guys, but I disagree with them sometimes. So back to the point. Um, there are some that are hesitant, and some that are hesitant are the ones that have not lifted a lot of weights. Um, so, for example, they have a rotator cuff tear. Uh, a lot of times, repetitive overuse, maybe it just happens, you know, the volume of stuff, whether it's daily functional activities, stuff like that. Um, you know, we get them moving, obviously passive to active assist, to active range of motion, you know, so passive, I'm doing all the work active assist. They do it, you know, let's say they're, they're going into flexion. So they do it up to here. I assist them that way, or they're doing it all actively. Well, some of them, you know, that don't are like, do I have to do this? And it's like, yes, you know, studies have shown that if you strengthen and do endurance for the rotator cuff over nine to 12 weeks, you know, compared to somebody who just does the surgery and doesn't do anything, or they don't have surgery and they don't do anything, those people who are active and who are strengthening and building endurance and building stability and building those things that we're looking for have better outcomes. And a lot of what I've done now is the couple articles I've, I've written for the company I work for. One was strength for golf, and today the other one I finished up was mid-back and thoracic rotation uh, mobility work. So you look at a guy like Rory. Rory is a great example, okay? He has some of the best shoulder turn, hip turn, and mid-back turn, okay? He had that in, in 2012, 2013. 
But once he started working with a personal trainer and getting stronger, you could really see the benefits in 2015, 2016. I saw something today on Instagram. I think it was Golf TV or, uh, or I think the Golf Channel posted it. Uh, 2009 compared to 2019. Rory's driver distance in 2009 on average was 309. His driver distance average in 2019 was 319. Okay. Now, not saying everybody can pick up 10 yards, but obviously he's a much stronger individual. So strength does play a part in golf um, or even mobility work. If you can turn the shoulders, if you can turn the mid back, if you can turn the hips more, you're going to generate more power. You're more likely going to generate more club head speed. Now, everybody's swing is different too. You're going to have some people, on, and I play with a lot of people around here um, that are older and I've watched them. Some people have a lot of shoulder and mid-back turn and not very much hip turn. Uh, some people have a lot of shoulder and hip turn, but they don't have mid-back turn. So with that, you know, when the individual's coming in, I try to optimize things because sometimes those limitations that they have are not, you can't adjust them or you can't change them. You may be able to slightly change them, but because of their anatomy or the way their structure is set up or sometimes previous injuries, uh, sometimes you really can't get at it. Yeah. And I, I know you said you haven't taken any of the TPI courses yet, but that's pretty much their philosophy is that everyone has a different way of swinging, except that we're going to try and make it as most efficiently as possible for that person that presents in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Like said, sometimes well, people, they just can't. Well, yeah. And that's why the uh, TPI has a, a lot of those assessments. I mean, I know you've been posting about some of them, uh, the TPI Facebook and Instagram page are, are great for that because they show some of the assessments or some of the warm up routines and things like that. Because if you're targeting certain things, not everybody's going to need the same warm up or, you know, they. It, so a lot of the good exercises are very basic strength exercises, but somebody may be at one progression that's up here, and another person may be at a progression that's a little bit lower, and that's kind of the the catering that uh, people like us or even some of the golf professionals um, that have taken TPI or very similar courses are trying to structure for those individuals. So um, that's kind of the rabbit hole I'm trying to go down is, you know, when I'm working with somebody is, do they need, do they need more mid back turn? Um, do they need some coordination in the mid back or the hips? Do they need hip stability or shoulder stability? You know, what exactly are we looking at with this individual? Um, and, and TPI is one of the things that obviously it's golf geared, but it can, it, it can definitely help any individual that's kind of curious and, and seeing what am I lacking and what can I bring up or build up? Yeah, I think they do a great job of, you know, looking at the whole, they definitely, um, buy into the whole FMS, SFMA kind of model. They have, you know, great cookers on their advisory board. You can, if anyone is in our field, you can go with that or go against it, but we, that's a whole nother topic. Um, but I mean, I think it does a good job of looking at the whole body and just trying to find any kind of different quote unquote leaks, basically, um, just to see where you are dysfunctional, um, and then try to try to work on those things. So you've been working with some people, some of them are usually more hesitant. What do you, what, do, what is your like approach for someone who's hesitant, maybe has never lifted any weights before at all. And, you know, you think that that would be beneficial for them, not only just for their golf game, but you know, for their life, essentially, 
what what is kind of your approach to to getting them to start lifting weights well i think a lot of times they kind of start with um first off i think listening is a big thing i think um because with the model that you and i work with or any of the other clinicians or anybody that's that's in a health and wellness field you know we have the spectrum um that i've operated on and it's the the biomedical psychosocial model so the biomedical is the actual tissue component um things that we're assessing whether it's joint play or you know tissues ligament structures things like that but also psychologically um people do have a tendency to to focus on their pain so kind of the cognitive or the mental aspect of it, their focus on their pain, it can't elevate. It doesn't always, um, you know, and, and, and things going on in their life, the stressors, things like that. And then we go to the social, it could be environmental, their workplace or people they're hanging out with or community things. I mean, it could stress. So I'm just kind of trying to look at those things and balance them out and, and listen to that. Then a lot of times I'll start with, you know, just kind of body weight movements or within a certain range. Um, so, for example, on, on your guys' page and the other uh, group I belong to on Facebook, I've been including the landmine stuff because, you know, landmine, you only need about maybe 100 degrees of flexion. And it's perfect. You can strengthen in that range. So I talked to them. If, if you can only move to this range, we're going to strengthen and work on getting it comfortable. And then we're going to go from here to here. We're not going from here, you know, all the way up. I mean, for me, it doesn't make sense because it's like, if it's here to here, you're covering like another 70, 80 degrees. If I'm going here to here, it's only about 10. So to me, it's a no brainer. Um, so we work in, you know, the range they're comfortable with, um, you know, whether it's strength, whether it's endurance, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're looking for strength, sometimes we'll do like a three by eight, um, three by six, three by 10 is not dirty, you know, by any means. Um, or if I'm looking for endurance, like a three by 15, three by 20, three by 25, two by 20, two by 25, you know, whatever you're looking to get out of that. Um, and I, I don't always get buy-in. I've had, uh, a couple still fear avoidant patients because they're like, if I'm pretty sure that if I turn this way, I would, I'm going to hurt. And it's like, so you, you just kind of have to roll with it. Um, every individual is different, obviously. So, but I usually, you know, listen to them, start with body weight movements, limited range, um, and then work, you know, five, 10, 15 degrees more as time progresses. And usually for the most part, that has seemed to, to, to work with the individuals that I've been seeing on a consistent basis. Perfect. Sounds like a, you know, great scheme that you got going on there. Um, I would say that I would be pretty similar. I probably don't have as much stuff in our gym that we have where I'm at, um, compared to what you have, but we do have some, some stuff, at least we've, we fought for some pile boxes and some kettlebells. So we have, we have mm-hmm. some stuff, but we, we max out at a certain degree. Um, but our space is also just very small. Uh, yeah. We had, uh, we actually didn't have any kettlebells and then we had a clinician who was a, a travel PT from South Carolina, but he's done like, uh, placements in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Yuma, things like that. And he had a 50 and a 70 pound kettlebell that he's brought. So, Obviously, when I train in the morning, I use it, but we've been using it with some of our, our higher level patients because we see the youngest person that I've seen is uh, eight years old and the oldest person that I've seen is 94. So there's a we have a pretty wide spectrum um, where I am. I mean, we're an orthopedic. We do cater, do some sports med stuff, but we're mainly just purely orthopedic. So, um, but yeah, our, our average clientele is probably about 45 to 65 usually. So um, either folks that have just retired 
um, semi-retired or they're still working a little bit. So. Excellent. How much, uh, do you get to do any kind of like power work with, uh, whether it's just patients or clients? I, I, I mean, I do, I do a fair amount. Um, you kind of have to, you know, going back to strength and conditioning principles, I established the baseline of strength. So obviously, um, for example, if I have an ACL patient, you know, those first two, three, four months, I'm not going to do a whole lot of power work with them. After that, we kind of introduce them to things like, uh, like depth jumps or, um, step ups with a high knee. Um, so they're, you know, they get the, the foot onto the box and then they bring the knee up really quick. Um, you know, sidestepping, uh, sometimes change of direction depending on what we're doing. Um, I, I don't know. I can't guesstimate how much it is, but that, I mean, it's, we don't have super low level people. Um, we have some lower level, then we kind of have some middle and then we have some higher level. So anytime I get a higher level, um, individual, I try to do some power work. I try to do some speed, a little bit of velocity training. Um, and obviously some, some strength work because I believe they can handle it. And so I talked to them about building up tissue tolerance, building up the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demands, um, which, you know, for the golfers in this group, I think that's going to be a perfect thing is the baseline strength and the said principle, I think are going to be perfect for people in this group, you know, just to get started, especially if they haven't done a whole lot of fitness. So they're trying to figure out what can translate off the course to on the course. Uh, can you go into that a little bit more for anyone who isn't too aware of like, what would you qualify as baseline strength? And can you just kind of expand upon the said principle? Cause obviously you yeah. not know about that. Yeah, absolutely. So with strength and conditioning, one of the things that is very basic, which is the, if you think about it, the pyramid, the foundational level is a baseline of strength. So where I like to look for baseline of strength is patterns. So I look at squat, uh, hip hinge. So that could be kettlebell uh, swings, some kettlebell formation, deadlift, uh, good mornings. Uh, I look at pulling. So I look at vertical pulling. So your pull ups, lat pull downs, things like that. Excuse me. And then the main one I really like that I train that I think is underutilized. Some people think it's underutilized more or less, but I, I think it's underutilized as horizontal pulling. So rows, I think rows are a fantastic thing, especially for that shoulder blade, serratus, things like that. Cause when you make the golf swing, that scapula has to come up because that upper arm's coming up. There's a scapulo humeral rhythm. So the scapula with the humerus, the upper arm bone, there's a rhythm. So we work on that. Then I think about vertical pushing. So pressing, you know, there comes the landmine press again. Vert, and then uh, then horizontal pressing, bench press. I mean, uh, golfers do bench press, I, you know, to break it to you. It doesn't have to be a barbell bench press. It could be a dumbbell bench press. It could be a single arm dumbbell it could be in close tier a hex press you know there, there's so many ways and then the other thing i look at is carries so grip strength guess what folks we have wrists we have hands we have forearms think about this impact boom 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 repetitive motion we have to get them strong so i do a ton of like farmers carries uh you were talking about this i think yesterday suitcase carries the one arm carries uh sometimes front rack and then have one down, sometimes overhead front rack, you know, depends on what you're going after. So building those baselines of strength and kind of those six movement patterns is what I'm looking at. Then the other principle, specific adaptation to impose demands basically says, if you want to get good at something, so let's say, for example, 
You want to get good at deadlifting. Guess what you have to do? Have to deadlift. Okay. So basically, that could be like a kettlebell deadlift, you know, kickstand deadlift, single leg, you know, sumo, whatever. Okay. So specific adaptations to impose demands. Keep deadlifting. Why would a golfer want to do that? Well, think about the start position, spine angle, glutes, hip stability. I mean, we could we could talk about this on and on. I mean, we talked about this for, you know, like two plus podcasts on it. So if you build those two things up, you more than likely not saying you'll be a better golfer, but you will be better able to handle 18 holes, especially if it's a golf course, let's say 67, 68, 69, 7,000. And it's a little bit up and down. I mean, just think about it. hole 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, you got to hit a good tee shot. You got to hit a good iron shot. You know, you got to hit a good putt. If you're stronger and you're better able to handle the imposed demands on the golf course from what you're doing in the weight room, you're going to beat a lot of people and you're going to be better than a lot of people because those people, you know, down the stretch are going to fall. I mean, we've seen that time and time again with high level athletes, the players and the individuals and the teams that train and train well and train under certain parameters without doing anything sexy, you know, they're the ones that usually end up winning or usually do pretty well and stay consistent. That's the whole goal with the baseline of strength and the specific adaptation to impose demands, staying consistent so that it will help your golf game for months or years, you know, one, two, five, ten, whatever. I mean, that's kind of what we're shooting for. And that's, you know, why us out here bring, you know, for the public demand and consumption, these ideas and these training principles, you know, how to do this and it's not, you know, rocket science and it's not hard. It's pretty straightforward. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think one thing that you uh, did a good job of is highlighting that there's so many alternatives and different ways to do an exercise or to hit one of those specific patterns that you were discussing. So many people get caught up in the fact that they have to deadlift, but like you said, there's so many different ways that you can work on a hinge pattern or, you know, if someone's nervous about pushing up overhead because they have shoulder pain or shoulder issues, there's a ton of different variations that they can start to utilize uh, in their workout and still make really good gains and improvements that can translate over not only to their golf game, but also like what you were saying, basically just building up resiliency in their body to any kind of injury, which again, also not only helps you in golf, you know, when you're on hole 15, 16, 17, but also, you know, as you're getting older and doing all these different things throughout your everyday, you know, whether it's yard work or anything along those lines. Yeah. And, and that's what we're meant to do as humans. I, you know, there, I mean, there's so many schools of thoughts like uh, primal and, you know, barbell this and double that. And the, you know what, here's the thing, pick what works for you. I think people know what to do in the gym. I just don't think sometimes they know how to execute it or what weights or what reps they can pick. So they, they kind of overthink it, you know, and, and a lot of times that's what my coaching is, whether it's, it's therapy, whether it's a low level individual, not saying there's anything wrong with low level individuals, but sometimes they need a little more prodding um, or a higher level individual that's looking to make strength gains. That's looking to build muscle hypertrophy or, or looking, you know, Hey, I'm a high school athlete. I, you know, our, our season's cut short and, you know, I, for example, I was working with this football guy in a hamstring strain. He's like, what should I be doing? I said, right now, you need to be strength 
power, low reps, a little bit lower intensity, you know, stuff like that. I said, then once you get that hamstring stronger, I said, May, June, July, we're pushing volume because then we build up that tissue tolerance, how to see it. And then by the time August rolls around starting camp, you're going to be better than most of the kids there. And he, you know, he's buying in right now. Um, and, and not that everybody needs that kind of guidance, but I think some people are kind of like, well, I want to do this, but what should I do? Should I do a three by 12? Should I do a three by eight? Stuff like that. The thing is pick exercises that you feel would be beneficial. Pick ones that you enjoy for the most part, and then just pick a rep scheme and stick with that, you know, for four or five weeks or so. And then you're like, Oh, this is good. Then switch it up a little bit. You know, you don't need like muscle confusion or, you know, some of the buzzwords or things like that. You just need to consistently train. And that's what I talk to people all the time. Like, if you're going to do stuff at home or you're going to do stuff that helps your hiking or, you know, whatever you're doing, you need to stay consistent because if you start losing that consistency, then we see the issues creep back, whether it's the re-injury or my tissue can't handle it or my range of motion is not as good or I can't hold this position. So, you know, really the main thing is, is consistency is the biggest thing uh, within the strength and conditioning world. And sometimes it doesn't always get talked about. I would totally agree. Um, a lot of times I see, um, well, when I was going to the gym, when it was still open, you know, a lot of people are going in there, um, and they don't, they clearly don't have a plan. Like I can, I can just see that they're just kind of bouncing around here or there and they just, and you know, I don't know what that person's goals are. Right. I, I don't know if they just want to go to the gym to just go to the gym to say that they did it. Um, but I mean, if you're going to go to the gym, I mean, you should have a goal, especially if you're trying to improve your golf game you know, you should have a plan. Um, can you talk a little bit, you don't have to get super specific, but let's just talk about someone who's healthy. Um, you don't have to break it down into anything specific, but like you said, um, between strength and power, can you talk about like the certain, the difference between them and then the certain kind of set and rep schemes that you were kind of mentioning? Cause some people just may not even know what that is. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it depends on what you want to go after. So obviously it, Obviously, power is there's a little strength component to it, but you're you're moving it at a faster velocity or faster speed over a certain distance. So we think about, OK, let's think about power in the golf swing. Who do we think about when we have power in the golf swing? OK, well, we think about Brooks Kepka. We think about Rory McIlroy. Uh, we think about the fastest swinger on tour, uh, Cam Champ, which side note, I'd love to swing his Hulk shaft just to see how stiff it stiff it is, because you know, it's funny. But anyway, um, Dustin Johnson, okay, they have power because they train power. Okay, how would I train power? First off, let's look at like a med ball rotation in a wall, okay? So the med ball doesn't have to be heavy. This is the difference between strength. So the med ball could be like 8 to maybe 20 pounds, depending on the individual. Okay, how am I creating power? Okay, obviously I turn, boom, power is created as soon as I turn it back. I pick it up. Load it up, boom, power. Load it up, boom, power. Because that velocity and that speed from here to here is faster than when I take it back. That's power. Strength, a lot of times, doesn't have that speed component. So let's say you want to work up to a heavy three on a bench. So let's say you put, for example, 225 on there, okay? First rep, somewhat fast. Second rep, a little bit slower. Third rep, really slow grind, okay? 
that strength because the load is the dictating factor on that. The dictating factor with power is how fast you move that load over a certain distance. So that's why the med ball rotation is the way it is because the, the load is probably moderate, the speed and the distance. So the speed is fast. The distance is long, depending on how many reps you do. Strength, the factor is the load. The speed and the distance really do not matter on those things. So you need a combination of both uh, with them. When is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? Depends on the individual. If I'm working with a beginning client, I'm probably going to emphasize strength over power a little bit more. If it's a moderate, kind of intermediate client, it's going to be a balance. If I'm advanced, it depends on what they're doing. So if they're in tournament play right now, I'm probably going to emphasize power a little more than strength. Okay. But if it's in the off season, I'm going to emphasize strength more than power. So that's kind of the, the dichotomy and things of that. So if you're a beginner, um, sure. I'd say maybe like 70% strength, 30% power. If you're moderate, then we're kind of getting into the 50, 50 or still kind of a strength bias, 60, 40. Um, if it's advanced, we're looking at sometimes where it's 80% power, 20% strength, the opposite, or we're kind of going in the middle. And then, you know, it depends on the athlete once again. And that's when you adjust things, uh, whether it's for like a percentage or one of the new things is the rate of perceived exertion. So, you know, zero to one is the easiest. 10 is like, it's a real, and I could do this all day. I could come back in two hours or an hour and train the same thing to a 10 is, Oh my God, I'm going to get buried at the bottom of this lift and I may die and I'm going to be sore for quite a while. And I'm not going to try this again for, you know, three months or something like that. So, um, so that's just kind of the simplification of it, uh, as far as, uh, strength versus power. I think RPE is a great, uh, kind of scale to kind of gauge how things are because a lot of, you know, if you're a strength coach or anything along those lines and you've studied kind of programming and how strength is supposed to work, I mean, you're talking 80 to 85, if not more percent of like a one rep max, right? Not many people know what one or one rep max is Two, some days you just don't feel as good as you did the other day. I mean, you can go into the gym and squat 225 if you want. And then the next day or a week later, you know, your, your legs are just not feeling it and you can't even get two reps out of 225. I mean, it's, it's a, it's definitely a better scale. A lot of factors go into how people feel on a specific day. And that's again, a whole, a whole different podcast and a talk. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. you know, that's why you see this device, the whoop now on the PGA tour, because if we're going down that rabbit hole, I know that's another place in time for the podcast, but they understand the recovery, how much to sleep, what their strain is. So going back to what you said, so Let's say the recovery according to whoop is like 74%, which would be in the green. Okay. They might be able to bang out that, that 225 fairly easily. And it's like an RPE, like in the middle, like a five. Okay. So it's somewhat hard, but it's not super challenging. They might be able to come, come back and do it later the next day or like a couple of days later. Um, if they're like, let's say 40%. So that's a yellow. They try that. They might get one set in. Or two sets in, they're like, ah, I got to shut it down, you know. Um, or, like, for example, like, if your recovery is, like, 12%, which is red, which they're basically telling you to take a rest day or something like that, you may just, 
you know, hit the bike or hit a rower or just, you know, go walk or maybe a light jog, things like that. So that has a huge aspect in that. Um, you know, once again, going back to Roy McElroy has a whoop. Justin Thomas has a whoop. Scott Stallings has a whoop. Um, and these guys are getting very specific now. And this is a huge difference also between the 60s and the 70s. I mean, what guy would go to sleep, you know, for nine hours, wake up at 6 a.m., go to the PGA Tour fitness trailer, train a little bit, hit some balls, get ready for their round, you know, recover, take care of their nutrition. They may bring a chef or, you know, they may hire somebody from the town or they just may know what to eat. They go to like a Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, things like that, go to sleep at like 8.39, do the same thing. During the 70s, you get, people would be like, what are you talking about? I thought we were going to get a smoke and a whiskey at the bar. I mean, and it, and it's not a bad thing because, you know, they gave us like the Arnold Palmers and the Tom Watsons and Jack Nicholas and Gary Player was cool, you know, obviously. But it's a lot different ball game now. I mean, people look at golfers and athletes. You ask at almost all the young guns, Kepka, Jordan Speed, um, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, who's the guy that led this charge? Tiger Woods, go back to the 97 Masters, Tiger Woods looked about like the only athlete. I mean, and he laughed, and he left that field by 12 shots. You know, it, it, not saying that if you go out in your next foursome, your next round, you're going to lap people by 12 shots, but people look at golfers differently now, and they have different priorities, and they have different things going on. And that just goes back to, you know, if if you want to make this work, not saying you have to make sacrifices, but you may have to do things a little bit differently. You may have to get to sleep a little bit earlier. You may have to um, talk to somebody, whether it's a dietitian, nutrition expert, about what I should be eating. Um, you may have to talk to some of us in the strength and conditioning world, uh, what is a good start for baseline of strength or lifts. Then you go get a golf professional and maybe get a lesson. Now, all those things obviously can ha add up to a lot of money, and I'm not suggesting you do all those things. But if you want to invest in that and, you know, if you, you have the funds, you know, go for it. I mean, because uh, not, you know, if you're like a 2015 handicapper, maybe you can get down to a 10. Maybe your goal is to, to break 90 this year. Maybe your goal is to, you know, make like three pars in a round. Or maybe your goal is to get one birdie, you know. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can we can skin this, and uh, it's it's the perception of the golfer has changed, and that's a lot of times why Joe, I'm pretty sure why you created this group is because there there are different aspects to golf that haven't been thought about over the last 30 years. You know, there's you could look there's there's very few golfers that look like you know Tim Heron out there on the golf course. I mean, not that guys are like super ripped, but they're they're taking their training seriously and they're taking their game seriously. Um, so it's, you know, if, if you want to be a better golfer, you, you have to carve out the time um, in a lot of areas and figure out what's, what's the best. And obviously I'm not a paid spokesperson for whoop, but I've had this and it's really, honestly, it's, it's, it's changed my training quite a bit. And, you know, I see on days where I can go green, I can I can definitely lift some pretty heavy weights. Uh, but on days it's yellow, it's more, you know, mod moderate stuff, or I may spend a little more time on, like, the bike or, or, or running a little bit more. So, um, you know, you just have to understand with what your body can do and what your body's capable of. 
um, and, and go from there. It's not like it's going to be the same three months or six months from now, but you know, right now, if you're taking the proactive steps, it's, it's only going to be beneficial. Yeah. Um, I've only read about whoop. I've thought about getting it a few times. I just can't make that financial investment. Um, although it, I know it, it would be good. Yeah, it um, is. It is a significant financial investment. I yeah. But I think that's no. the way that activity trackers are, are on their way too. I think whoop has really oh, no, stepped up the game, um, big time. And if, Again, for neither of us are sponsored by Whoop, but if they want to sponsor the show, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but, I, I would, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine but, with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the group was created out of you know me just one being a passionate golfer and and everything about golf, but also passionate about health and people's health, right? And I mean, we could basically just combine the two, and I think a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, you know, nutrition all these kind of quote unquote low hanging fruit that people could do to improve their game that honestly don't cost a lot of money. Um, you know, working more on their sleep, being more hydrated and just eating the right things, if not just better, basically. And you could probably see a drastic change in your game, uh, depending on where you're at potentially. I mean, if you're not getting any sleep or you're not staying hydrated, I mean, if you're not hydrated and you go out and play around, you know, and you're struggling to get through holes, past 12 basically i mean part of that could just be because you're dehydrated either you're just not drinking enough or you're drinking too many beers on the course i mean again there's nothing wrong with having a few beers out while you're playing but you know if you have some serious goals that you want to achieve i mean you need to take those steps like you had said well and, and the perfect example is um you know like uh, i live near phoenix okay phoenix in the summer is 120 degrees so if you don't take your hydration seriously um there can be some serious consequences. So for those golfers that, especially as we, we get close to the summer, I mean, it's, it's now the beginning of May, which is crazy. Uh, but if you want to take yourself seriously, now would probably be the time to do some things because, you know, in some places the humidity is 78%. I mean, the Florida's, you know, I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa and I remember playing tournaments in the summer. It was 95, but the heat index was one. 10, 115, 120, you're just draping a towel over your head, just trying, sometimes just trying to survive, uh, things like that. It was fun, you know, in a sense, but yeah, you're like, you're dripping sweat. You're trying to keep your grips and, and glove dry and things like that, you know? Um, but yeah, that's definitely one thing you need to, you need to take seriously and nutri nutrition things. Like for example, make a PB and J sandwich, take it on the course, banana, uh, nuts, you know, bars, you know, cliff bars, quest bars, whatever, you know, things like, things like that. It's not hard. It's stuff you can find at your local grocery store or, you know, stores that stock this stuff. Um, you know, on like golf.com, golf digest, things like that. They've done bunches of things about nutrition because they look and see guys like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Roy McIlroy. What are you guys doing? You know, what are you guys eating on the course? Stuff like that. Even Tiger has like a, I think it's like a, peanut butter and banana sandwich on the course. So, I mean, you don't have to play like Tiger, but you can eat like Tiger. Okay. So, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really simple things that people make way too complicated. Um, so, and, and it's just simple stuff. Like you don't, you know, you don't have to buy like organic peanut butter, stuff like that, you know, buy some like Skippy and, you know, don't spread half the jar on it. Let's start with that. Um, you know, you could buy, 
you know, just regular old wheat bread or honey oat bread that's on sale for like a buck 89 or something like that. So, um, and they're just simple changes and that's kind of what, you know, myself, you know, you, Joe, and, and, and other people in this realm are just trying to tell people is like, they're really simple changes. It's not, you know, it's not 10 ways to do this. It's like, no, it's like one thing. So that's just kind of what my thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot, it, a lot of people make it out harder than it, than it is actually. And part of that is just the multitude of sources and of information that are, that are out there now, but it's really not that difficult and it's really simple choices. Um, and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. And usually it's just taking one step at a time. You know, if you try to make a hundred steps or a hundred changes at once, you're bound to fail, but gradually just make those small improvements day in and day out. Just try to get 1% better every day. And over time, you're going to see that add up and it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. And I think, uh, that goes back to short-term, long-term goals. So, um, you know, if, if you want to play better for summer golf, set some short-term goals, like by the beginning of June or by the middle of June or by July, you know, I want to be able to do this. So like, I want to be able to break 90. I want to be able to hit, you know, eight, nine fairways around. I want to be able to only have like one double bogey around. Okay. Then long-term goals, like for the 2021 season, I want to, you know, da, da, da. I mean, it could even be lifting goals. Like by the 2021 season, I want to be able to, you know, swing like a 40 pound kettlebell or, you know, bench press like 135, 185, or I want to be able to do three pull-ups, stuff like that. I mean, it's really, really simple things. So just, you know, tracking things, um, just making it as simple as possible. And, uh, you know, if you don't reach one of those short-term goals, it's fine. Then set it again, you know. If you don't reach it by June 1st, say by July 15th or by July 1st or by August 1st. I mean, it's, I mean, failure is a part of things. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really know how many times I've failed, thousands of times. But, you know, you, you come back to simple things that work, um, you know, things that, are habits that maybe could be better and you tweak them and then things that don't work, you get rid of them. I mean, because everybody has tries to have a routine or at least the good ones, you know, they have a plan, they have a routine, they have habits, you know, so try to get into that mindset and try to get into that mode. Um, and I think that'll, you know, it, it may help some people out. Other people may just have to jot things down or do it on the fly. I'm not one of those people, but uh, if that works for you, go for it. Perfect. Um, Andrew, I want to be respectful of your time. Any last little bits of advice or anything like that for anyone trying to, you know, improve their golf game through strength and power, or even just anything else that we talked about, you know, kind of some of those other things like nutrition, sleep. Yeah. Well, I, I have one question for you after I get done with it. Um, but I, all I would say is keep things simple. Okay. So you, you know, if you want to learn how to bench press, I mean, let's say like, oh, I don't think I can do the barbell. Okay, just do some dumbbells with it, you know, or, or just get on a bench and, you know, just bench with your arms, do some bodyweight stuff or take like a dowel or a, a wand or a rod, you know, it's, it's not hard. So the big takeaway is keep things simple. Um, you know, try to get enough sleep, try to, you know, eat as best you can. I know everybody succumbs to vices. I mean, I love burgers, ice cream, all that, donuts, stuff like that. But um, do I do it all the time? No. But if I want it, do I go get it? Absolutely. Um, 
And the biggest thing I would say with, you know, with, with golfers right now is if you look at the golfers nowadays, it did not happen overnight. Okay. It took months, years. I mean, Rory started this process back in 2013 to look like he does in 2020. Okay. And obviously he's got some advantages, you know, being quite rich, you know, from the purses and the endorsements and things like that, but that shouldn't deter you. Um, I would say set short-term, long-term goals, uh, you know, regardless whether they're golf, fitness, or life-related, I think that's going to help. Um, create habits and a routine. So if you want to play better golf, let's say, you know, let's say you got a free day, okay? I wouldn't, let's say your, your Wednesdays, you don't work, okay? So, you know, wake up whatever time you want. So maybe let's say you wake up at 8 a.m., okay? Just get everything set. Maybe squeeze in a workout at some time, but instead of playing golf, go on the range. Pick one thing you want to work on. Let's say, okay, I want to hit, you know, let's say I want to hit a high fade. So try to work on that in the range. You know, set your set your body up, you know, a certain way. Let the club do the work. Uh, you know, just just pick little things, little things to work on. Whether it's I want to build more strength in my arms or. Um, I just want to build better rotation or I want to hit that certain shot, you know, just keep, keep doing those things. Don't get discouraged. I mean, I have days that go out to the range and I hit it really poopy, but I play well. And I have days on the range where I hit it really well. And then I play just mediocre. Okay. It happens. It happens to everybody. All right. But uh, don't get discouraged. Take it as a process. Be patient. It may take weeks, months, years, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, he put the link down below. You can find me on Instagram there. So if you have any questions or you have anything in this group, uh, just let me know. And the question for Joe is, uh, what is the best course on Pinehurst? Because I know you you played the, uh, what was it the Cradle out that's there? It. The Cradle okay. was amazing. Um, okay. Man. Have, you played, have you played one through seven, any of those? Yeah. I have not played anything else. I went down for my birthday it was my birthday on that day and then um it was a sunday so i just wanted to go down and just do the cradle i know we could get it in and then <laughs> come back home basically but um man first of all just being there it's like truly just a, a mecca i mean you're just around it and you're just like man this is amazing like oh, yeah, cause Don, cause that, that's donald ross i mean that's pure yeah. donald ross right there and i mean uh i was just talking about this the, the other day with blaine I mean, we were talking about Pinehurst and man, Donald, Donald Ross won, even on, even on the cradle, it is an extremely hard course, even uh, for, what? you know, I mean, we're talking nine holes, the longest hole is 120 yards. I mean, all you need is a, a few wedges basically, but man, it is challenging. Well, probably because of the greens, because he shows oh, yeah. the green. Way the They're plateaus. absolutely all over the place. It's just, no. I just remember. Yeah. I mean one hole placement it was the ninth hole it was just up on a hill basically and then it's just like all right i'm gonna put up this hill and then didn't give it enough juice and it just starts rolling back down i'm like oh, <laughs> i think everybody's yeah. had that you get, yep. you, yeah. i just got to get it over the ridge and you're like oh god so, right yeah. um i have a few last kind of just fun questions basically here right. um yeah what is your favorite or best course you've ever played? Oh man. Um, well, there's obviously a lot of them in the Phoenix Scottsdale area I want to play. So obviously one of the ones I want to play is TBC Scottsdale. Cause that's where they host waste management open. 
Um, one that's close to me uh, that I'm thinking about playing in October for the Northern Amateur in Arizona is Oak Creek uh, Country Club that was designed by both Robert Trent Jones Sr. and Robert Trent Jones Jr. Um, and it's gorgeous. You see the in, in Sedona, they have these red rock formations, so kind of that clay color. Um, and you see it throughout the course. And, you know, typical Robert Trent Jones, you know, dog legs, scattered bunkers, things like that. Um, it's it's really it's really amazing um that that's the one that kind of sticks out to me okay uh as as far as things like that but i mean i haven't played any of the really like high level courses in phoenix Scottsdale. obviously with covid um i've been trying to work on i've got a new putter new wedges in the bag i'm um, trying to get new irons new woods and obviously with covid i can't go down to my guy at second swing so um yeah, but you know, every time I try to go down to Phoenix and Scottsdale, I'll try to play uh, play courses. But yeah, um, bucket list right now in that area is uh, definitely TPC Scottsdale. Um, sure. And but Oak Creek is the the one that sticks out to me because Robert, you know, everybody knows Robert tried down senior and junior. So, yep. um, and it's it's not uber long. It's sixty eight hundred, but it's 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 definitely a challenge. So. Awesome. All right, second question here. I think I know the answer, but it's risky approach shot into the green. Are you going for it or laying up? Um. Okay. Give me give me some more information. Is this par five or or like a? a Let's go short? par five. Let's go par five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How far am I out? Um. I would say. Let's go. Kind of at the max of your three wood. Okay. So like two eighty. <laughs> okay. Uh, two eighty. Anything I got to carry. Uh, let's go some water, like pretty much okay. in front of the green then. If there's no wind or downwind, I'm going to go for it. If it's into the wind, I'm probably going to lay up. Okay. I know it's kind of pop out, uh, but I would right. say probably 80% of the time I'd probably still go for it. That's what I figured. Um, that's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. And last one, you're going out for a round. Who's in your dream foursome? Woo. Tough. Uh, Got to go with Tigre because I just got to hear the stories about everything. Uh, Kepka, love Kepka. He's probably my favorite golfer. Um, he would gel well. Uh, let's see. Dream one more. Mm. Jack. I got to go with Jack. Yeah, just because he's won, he's won 18 majors. He's basically done it all. I think he could rib Tiger the entire round, and so could Brooks. Um, and I, he's, he's, He's the goat. Okay, I mean, when you think of a guy hitting just a just a soft butter cut, you think of Jack Nicholas. You think of, you know, if if you want a guy to hit a soft butter cut into some, you're thinking Jack. I mean, Kepka can do it and Tiger can do it, but the first guy he thought of was Jack. I mean, just with, you know, certain pins and opens, whether it's U.S. or British or the Masters. I mean, I mean, balling out at 46, one of the 86 Masters. You know. I mean, he's the GOAT. So, yeah, that's my three. There you go. Um, Andrew, you kind of alluded it, alluded to it earlier, but if anyone wants to get in contact with you, um, what's the best way to do that? Or what are your kind of different platforms that people could reach out to you? Well, I'm on, I'm on a lot of platforms because, obviously, um, I try to use social media responsibly. <laughs> um, so strength underscore roast is Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Snapchat. 
And then strength roast, all one word, is Facebook. You can also find me in this group. Um, if you want, just search my name. Um, don't hesitate. If you guys have any questions, whether it's strength and conditioning, um, golf fitness related, um, or you just have questions for me, just uh, let me know. Excellent. I'll put all those links eventually in the show notes. So anyone wants to reach out to you, they can definitely do that. Um, but yeah, I guess we're going to wrap this up and, uh, until next time we'll see you. Yeah. yeah. Whenever that is appreciate it, Joe, uh, enjoy the page, enjoy everything you're posting. So, um, I'm sure the numerous guests you'll have on out here will be outstanding. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the healthy golf podcast. If you want to get in contact with Andrew or work with him, his contact information is in the show notes. But again, he's on Instagram and Twitter as strength underscore roast. And again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. I know that there are a lot of other things that you could be doing or listening to, and I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this show. I guess with that, we will officially wrap this episode up. If you know anyone that could use some help to get healthier on or off the golf course, please share this with them so we can continue to make a bigger impact on people's lives and golf game. And remember, when you feel great, you golf great.